Good morning, Miles City. I just saw you like two seconds ago, so it feels kind of weird. Really, it was eight minutes ago, but anyway. So we are so glad that you're here with us today, and we're going to spend a few minutes just uh, in our series on perspective. We've been in the book of John talking about uh, how we look at Jesus and who he is, and John gives us his perspective of who Jesus is. And today we come to a conversation that Jesus has with somebody in, in John chapter 4, and today we're all about conversation. That's why we have you sitting at tables and circle tables, being able to have conversation with people sitting there with you. You know, conversations can be good. Sometimes you're in a conversation and, man, the, the words that are spoken to you are an encouragement or good news is shared with you, all those things. And, man, those, those conversations are great. Sometimes we have difficult conversations. Um, I, I, I still, in, even as a dad, still get a pit in my stomach when I have to have a conversation with my kids about them being in trouble. I still feel like I'm in trouble because I can remember back when my dad would have those conversations with me, and usually my backside was a little warmer by the time he got done talking with that conversation. But, you know, sometimes those, those hard conversations that we have, there's conversations that affect us, and, and um, the conversation we see today is a conversation that changed a life. And really, those kind of conversations are important. The kind of conversations you have that can t- change your life for the better are really the best kind of conversations you can have. And Jesus comes and he has a conversation with a lady today that changes her life for the good. And, and so we want to encourage you um, today, be willing to have conversations. Be willing to be open to hearing what people have to say because it could really affect you in a way that you never even thought possible. And so we're going to be in John chapter 4 today and we're going to look at the book of John. John is um, one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. They're called the Gospels. Uh, they tell some similar stories, but really, John, 90% of what is in the book of John is unique. It's different. And so today, I'm excited to see this conversation that he had with a woman at a well. But before we jump into it, let's just take a moment and pray together, all right? Dear Lord, we come to you today and we ask that um, we would be open to the Holy Spirit's leading in our hearts and our lives. Lord, as, as we read this passage of Scripture, we're thankful for the conversations you were willing to have. We're reminded last week of the conversation that you had with Nicodemus and uh, how you were willing to talk to somebody that was searching. And now this conversation you have with this woman today, Lord, even though she really wasn't looking for this conversation, God, we're thankful that you care enough about us to seek us out. And today we ask for those that are sitting in this room, maybe that are seeking themselves, that are looking for answers, that today they would find the answers that they need in you. And Lord, that you would speak to their heart, draw them to yourself. I ask that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds, that we'd be able to focus on what this passage is about. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. And we ask that your name would be honored with what is done. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a copy of Scripture or if you have a journal, we've been encouraging people. We're selling out at the Little Coffee, uh, at 71 Coffee. There's a store. We have journals of John available. They're $5. You say, well, I don't have $5. Then just go back there and ask for one. We'll get you one. That's not a problem. But we encourage you to journal as well. There's um, journals available that have Scripture and blank pages in there that you can write some things down. But we're going to be in John Chapter number four today, we're going to start in verse number three. John four, verse number three. says, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. This is an important statement right here that I want you to remember. And he had to pass through Jerusalem or Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. 
So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. It goes on in verse number seven. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, historically, let's set this up a little bit. Jesus was in the south, and you guys in Michigan are familiar with this. He had to go up north. I moved here six years ago, and everybody would always say, where are you doing this weekend? I'm going up north. I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean to go up north? I mean, when you ask somebody where they live, they always throw their hand up and, oh, I live right here and all this stuff. But then when they say up north, it's like, what, what does that mean? You know, I, my impression of Michigan growing up, I have family here in the Detroit area. We only ever visited Detroit. I didn't even know an up north in Michigan existed. But now that I've lived here a while and been able to explore some things, man, up north is beautiful. In fact, we ought to just cut the bottom of the state off and everybody move up north. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm, I love it. I mean, Michigan's a beautiful state, but you understand needing to go up north. But here's how it worked for the Jews when they needed to go north. There was a country, Samaria, that was in the middle. And the fastest route was through Samaria. But they hated the Samaritans so much that they would go out of their way and add miles and days to their journey to avoid Samaria. Somebody told me between services, it's like, you know, if you need to go to Kentucky, but you drive through Indiana and avoid Ohio, so you don't have to drive through Ohio if you're a Michigan fan, all right? I can understand that, all right? So the Jews and the Samaritans had this hate relationship with each other. The Jews hated the Samaritans because they thought the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half-Gentile. And so they had a desire not to be anywhere near them. So they would walk around the country. Anytime they had to go up north, they would never take the direct route. But remember that passage that we read, see, Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. Now, this seems unusual because it would seem like, well, why would he have to go? Was he in a hurry to get to Galilee? It doesn't say anywhere that he was in a hurry. In fact, he, he stops in Samaria for a while. The reason he was going through Samaria was he wanted to have a conversation with somebody that wasn't expecting it. He knew that this lady would be here at this time of day, and he knew I need to be there to have a chat with her. And it reminds us that sometimes often the best conversation isn't the one we plan to have. Often the best conversations happen when we're not planning on having. This lady got up that morning not planning on having a conversation with the Messiah. In fact, she didn't even know that the Messiah was coming her way. She had no clue. She just was trying to go about her business and draw water for the day, not be seen, not be noticed, and just be on her way. You know, sometimes we have conversations and sometimes the best ones are the unexpected ones. We're encouraging you today to be involved in groups. In a little bit, we're going to explain what groups are and how you can be involved in them. But the reason we think groups are important was because unexpected conversations happen. And sometimes those conversations can encourage us, can uh, lift us up, can push us towards Jesus to, ha to know more about him. So Jesus, he has this conversation with this lady, and he, he starts light. He said, hey, I need a drink of water. But he starts getting real serious real quick after she says, hey, why are you a man 
talking to me, a Jew. Why are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan woman? This is unusual that you would ask for this, but Jesus continues in verse number 10. Here's what he says. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? It goes on in verse number 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself and did his, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. By the way, Jesus is giving her the good news of the gospel right here. But does she catch on to it at first? No, look at verse number 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I'll not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She says, hey, I have some water I can drink of that I don't have to come here and draw water every day. I'm all about it. She missed the point. So Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. Because in verse number 18, he says this. For you have had five husbands. And the one you you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir... I perceive that you are a prophet. Here's this lady in the middle of the day drawing water from the well, trying not to be seen. She sees this man approach her and ask for water. But as Jesus begins to talk to her and as Jesus begins to call things out in her life that no one would know if they'd never talked to her before, He knew her situation. He knew that she'd been married five times already and now she was living with a sixth man that wasn't even her husband. And her perception of Jesus went from him being a man to a prophet. At first he saw just a man approaching her, which was unusual that a Jewish man would come talk to her. Why would you talk to me? I'm a nobody. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you talk to me? But now he's not just a man. He's a prophet. He says, listen, I know about you. I know what's going on in your life. And this kind of catches her off guard. This kind of gets her where she doesn't know exactly what to think. If someone were to catch you in a conversation and catch you off guard, your response sometimes isn't well calculated because they've said something to you that's not written down in your notes. You know, we have presidents that get up and... and have news conferences, and they got all the answers typed out on a sheet of paper. They've been doing that for years, by the way. And they know what the reporters are going to ask. And when a reporter asks a question that's not on the sheet, sometimes they're like, I don't know what to do. This is where this lady's at. She doesn't know what to say. So look what she says to Jesus in the next verse. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So he said, listen, you're going to worship the true father. And she goes, How can we know where to worship? The Jews say we have to go to Jerusalem to the temple. She said, but they won't let us Samaritans in town, so we worship here on this mount. She's like, oh, I'm going to change the subject. He called me out about my living conditions, so I'm going to change the subject and say, well, how can I, a Samaritan woman, worship because you won't let me into Jerusalem? So look what Jesus said to her. Jesus said to her, woman, um, he didn't say it like that. He said, woman. Okay, if, you were, if you've been here long, you realize woman 
Um, I have a hard time saying it the right way. Woman. <laughs> In scripture was not like he's like, woman. It wasn't like that. Woman was a, a term of respect for someone. In scripture, because Jesus referred to his mother when she wanted him to turn the water to wine. He said, woman, my time is not yet coming. He wasn't being disrespectful. So it's not the same connotation as we have today. So I need to say it the right way. All right, woman, (laughs) believe me. Is that better? All right, do we understand that? Okay. Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, he said, listen, I'm the salvation. You don't understand that yet, but I come from the Jews. I'm salvation, verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those, that, those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25 says this. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. This was almost like an aha moment for her because if we skip down to verse number 28, she says this. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Christ? So her perspective started with Jesus as a man. Then it went to a prophet. But now her perspective of Jesus is from prophet to the Christ. How did this change? How did this happen? Because Jesus was willing to have a conversation with her. He was willing to talk with somebody that was overlooked by society. Think about it. This, first of all, is a Samaritan and a Jew. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans because they were unclean. But not only was she a Samaritan, she also was a woman. Women were looked down upon in this day, especially Samaritan women. In fact, a normal Jewish male would look at a Samaritan woman as a dog. And then she's at the well in the middle of the day. Tradition and history teach us that the time to go to the well for the women to draw water was the beginning of the day or the end of the day, not the middle of the day. She's there because of her reputation. She doesn't want to be involved in the town gossip because she knows she's what the gossip is about. Here's this woman that Jesus went, not out of his way, went directly to her to have a conversation with because Jesus is interested in having conversations with people that are rejected by society. In fact, even his disciples understood the oddity of this. We skip verse 27. Look what verse 27 says. It says, just then his disciples came back right after the conversation with They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said. Now listen, we get on the disciples, especially the apostle Peter, for running his mouth too much. But for once, he kept his mouth shut. He was thinking it, but he didn't say it. They were thinking, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They knew this wasn't normal. But Jesus was willing to have those unique conversations. Jesus was willing to have a conversation with anyone and everyone about what it meant to drink of that living water. So he has this conversation with this lady that changes her outlook on life, that changes her perspective of Jesus. When she looked at Jesus at first, she just saw a man. When she talked to Jesus for a little bit, she saw a prophet. But then finally when she listened to what Jesus had to say, she saw him as her Christ. 
See, her perception changed, her conversation changed her perception of Jesus. Some of you today, you need to have a conversation with Jesus and change your perspective of who he is. Some of you might see Jesus just as a great teacher or somebody that did some great things, but can I tell you, Jesus is more than that. He wants to be your savior. Jesus came and he died on the cross so that he could have a relationship with you. That's the most important conversation you could ever have. But Jesus, in his conversation, he challenged the perception of society. Here's this woman rejected by society. She's probably even rejected by the Samaritans. They're like, yeah, that woman's five husbands in and now she's living with another guy. You got to stay away from her. She had a reputation. She was rejected by pretty much everybody. And yet that's the one person that Jesus had to go through Samaria to talk to. Not the nobles, not the people in charge, not the mayor, not the governor. Nope, I'm going straight to this woman that nobody else wants to talk to because she's the one that I came to die for. She's the one that I care about. And he was willing to have that conversation. And today, our challenge to you is we need to be willing to have unique and sometimes uncomfortable conversations. Some of you, you won't join a city group because it scares the snot out of you to sit around and have conversation with people. When in fact, this is what God has created us for. God has made us for conversations. God has made us for community. He created Adam and he looked down and said, it's not good that Adam is alone and he created Eve so that he could have a relationship with her. God created us to be in community with him, community with fellow believers so that we can encourage each other. And so over the next few minutes, we're gonna model kind of what that looks like. There are people at your table that are table leads that are gonna lead you through a conversation. And here's the deal. If you don't want to speak out, you don't have to. For some of you, this might be your first time at Miles City, and you're like, what have I gotten myself into today? But if you're comfortable, there's three questions that we want to go over, and those questions are these. first one is, do you recall a conversation that had a major impact on how you view Jesus? Uh, I'm telling you, again, your leaders have these, so you don't have to feel like you have to memorize these questions, all right? The second one is this. Jesus takes the time to have a conversation with a person most people would have ignored. Is there someone you feel you've been avoiding a conversation with? Maybe not you haven't been ignoring them. Maybe you're uncomfortable having that conversation or you're nervous or uneasy about it. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's working in your heart like, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so about Jesus. And here's the third question. What things from Jesus' example do you think you may use in your next conversation with someone? So just three questions. You probably won't even get through them because we're just going to take a short amount of time. But I want you to think about those. And even if you don't respond to the table as they talk about that, would you just think about, like, what, what conversations do I need to have? Maybe today you need to have a conversation with Jesus for the first time. You need to understand that Jesus loves you. Maybe... You've been running from him. Maybe you're far from him and he's calling to you to come back. Or maybe there's people that you need to have a conversation with in your everyday life about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. But just think about that as you go through these three questions. So we're going to spend some time right now. Your lead at your table is going to go through these questions and just spend some time discussing this.
Well, I, I hate to interrupt these conversations. I, I love hearing everyone talking in the room, and I didn't want to leave my table because I loved hearing the conversations that were going on. And, you know, it's just a taste of what, of what groups are. And I, I was just thinking, you know, the importance in our lives to have different voices and different perspectives speaking into our, our lives because people hear from God and people are going through different experiences and they just help us as we move towards God and all the different things that we experience. That's why I'm so thankful for our kids' city and our student program, and they have groups. And the reason why they have groups is because we want different influencers in our children's lives. And, you know, because they're not just going to listen to mom and dad. And so to have other people on the same page speaking truth into their lives is so, so important to get those different perspectives. And that goes for us. You never grow out of that, right? We never grow out of that. The moment that we think that we've stopped learning is a really, really dangerous thing for all of us. And that's where pride and arrogance and loneliness really comes into, into, uh, into, into play. I, I don't know what you've heard this morning so far um, from God's word, but you know, thinking about different perspectives and as Barry taught, one of the things that popped out at me was, man, just that idea when you think about how people would literally try, travel miles around Samaria, like just to like, they wanted to avoid them at all costs. And then it just like hit me upside the head to think that we have a God that doesn't, you know, travel miles around the way to forget us, but he literally goes out of his way to find us, to forgive us and love us. And it's just, it's an amazing thing, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter you know, you know, some of us, right, because of things that we've done in our past, there's things that we've done in our lives that we'd never tell anyone because of how shameful we feel or whatever it might be. And then because of that, we keep it to ourselves. And then we think that the creator of the universe would never want anything to do with us. And I just want you to know that that's a lie, that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, the creator of the universe, when he created you, knew that. He knew that. He knew that you were going to be tempted with the ways of the world. He knew that you were going to be tempted to fill your life up with the ways of the world. And so that's why he also knew when he created you that he was going to create a remedy for that. Not just this, you know, drinking water, but as we just read in the text, this idea of living water. He was going to create a way for us to be filled up on something that would never dry up. To, be, to experience true peace, true joy, true fulfillment in a way that you can experience it also here on this earth, but for your eternity. And that's why God loved us so much and gave his one and only son, Jesus. And, you know, maybe that's the reason why you walked into this room. It's not by accident that you're here today. And maybe if you're honest, you know, when you think about the woman going to the well to try to get some water and write that bucket of water that she would get and she'd go back and forth and back and forth, it would always run dry. And maybe that's how you feel today. You just feel dry. You just feel like just so dry and no one knows it but you. If you don't have Jesus, you'll always feel that way. But when you get to the point to realize that Jesus offers something way more than just drinking water, he offers this eternal life, man, it's a game changer. You can wake up every morning with a new start, with a fresh start. His mercies are renewed daily. And all your past and all your sin and all your shame and all that stuff, 
He literally nailed that to the cross. And so you wake up every morning new and alive in this living water that's giving you eternal life that just is an overflow of your life over and over and over again. It never dries. It never runs out. Did you know that? And, and he offers you that today. He offers you that eternal life, that living, unbelievable water today in your life. And it's not by anything you can do specifically. It's, it's strictly through the idea of surrender. All right, the world's not working, so I'm grabbing onto you, Jesus. Have you ever stopped grabbing onto the world and grabbing onto Jesus to save you? If you haven't, then we want to give you that opportunity right now to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm just going to ask us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And maybe that's you today. You say, you know what, Travis, I, I've been filling up on the world. And it has been leaving me dry, and I know that. I've never completely understood, and I don't even understand it all right now. But what I do know is that it's time. I want to grab onto Jesus. And if you truly want to do that, and you get to the point and realize, you know what? I want to turn from the ways of the world. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again for me and I want to receive him into my life so he'll fill me up, um, then I'm just going to lead you through a real prayer between you and him. You make it your own. So just in the quietness of this moment, just say, Father, I'm done filling up on the world. Just say that. I'm done filling up on the world. And right now, I want to fill my life up with you. Forgive me for my sin. You know what all of it is. Cleanse me. Thank you for dying for me and rising again for me. I believe you're God. And right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be my king and to be my savior. As we keep praying, my friend, if you really meant that, like if, if you made that your own, then the scriptures are very clear that now you will no longer thirst. You'll never thirst again, but now your life truly begins now and you'll have eternal life that's found only through Jesus. And so, Father, thank you so much for the gift. Thank you for constantly chasing us and pursuing us and going out of your way to mess with us and collide with us and find us. And now you never give up on us whether we are in a relationship with you right now and we've been for years or if we're just starting one today or we're still seeking it, you never give up on us. And we thank you for that. And we love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for those who maybe put their faith in Jesus today for the first time? It's incredible. Best decision of your life. Best decision of your life. And so we want to encourage you to tell someone. You can text us by letting us know. You can let your table leader know that, hey, I, 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 I said yes to Jesus today. Let us know. And uh, the reason is is because we want to celebrate, but we don't. there's no reason for you to walk alone. And another great way for you not to walk alone is what we're doing today when it comes to the importance of having community. And uh, we want to share with you a story uh, from our friend Dan who talks about uh, the importance of group. And how he had it, and then he lost it, and then he got it back. And so I want you to hear the story.
of Dan. Take a look. I never realized how much you needed community until I didn't have it anymore. I uh, found myself in that situation last summer. I had community, I had a group of guys that I was connecting with, and unfortunately due to a series of moves, I, they moved away and um, I kind of lost that community. They're accessible by phone and I still chat with them every once in a while, but not being able to get together personally is, is a big challenge. And so I kind of lost that. And I found myself kind of bummed out. And what I soon came to realize was that I was depressed. And as someone who's had a pretty good life, I never really understood what that meant. Now I do. And I suppose that's a period of growth for me. However, um, it wasn't where I wanted to be. I was part of a city group and you know, we had kind of talked with some of the guys in the group, and on one such night, um, one of the guys approached me and said, hey, do you want to be in a coaching group? And without hesitation and a bunch of excitement, because clearly it's what I needed and what I wanted, I said, yeah, man, let's do it. And soon, you know, him and I kind of identified a couple others in the group, and we, we talked to those guys, and sure enough, they wanted to be in a, in a coaching group as well. And little did we know, that's what they had been looking for all along. They just needed an invite. And so now, you know, we're part of this coaching group, and um, we continue to grow in that. And the, the beauty of it is we started in the introduction phase in a sitting group, and now we continue to build this deeper friendship and relationship in the coaching group. This is my story, and I suspect some of you out there, it's your story. And my encouragement to you is, don't let it go to waste. Sign up. Find someone to connect with. You need it. I love it. I love it. Uh, we all need community. It is so true. Uh, we, we couldn't emphasize it more. And I hope by us changing and turning everything upside down on its head, uh, we're showing you the importance of it. Uh, and so now's the time. Uh, we really want to encourage you to take the risk to try something new. It can have the power to change your life, and it's so valuable. And, you know, one of the things I just want to say is that, you know, not only does it have the ability to fill up your life, uh, but it has the ability to fill up others' lives too. And so I don't mean this to be mean, but I just receive this. Um, if you've been denying the idea of wanting to get into a group for a long time or whatever it is, I would just say, like, stop being selfish. Stop being selfish because you not being a part of community, you are preventing potentially, right, someone else from being filled up because of how God wants to use you in someone's life. And so I know we're busy. I'm busy too. And I just, through my experience in my life, the times where I've just isolated myself and not had people in my life, one, I suffered, but other people suffered too. Because God wants to use me in people's lives and our groups. And so don't be selfish. Get into a group. It's so, so important. And so we have, um, we have so many different opportunities. You're not signing up for life. We have these miles. And so there are 13-week groups. There's eight-week groups. There's groups that meet every week. There's groups that meet um, 
twice a month. There's so many different options that it's really hard to make an excuse in our church not to find or get into a group, okay? So we have so many different options. And, 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 and last thing on this tangent is that maybe you've been coming here for a while and you're like, I just don't feel connected. And if you just show up here on Sunday morning, you're not going to feel connected. And there's a reason for that because it's only an hour. And so to get to know more people by serving on our team, but also being in group settings uh, really help you make this place feel like a home and feel like a family. And that's what church should be. And so if you feel like I don't feel like at home here or I don't feel like a family, this is why we have groups. And this is the reason why you don't feel like it's family. And so make this your home. We really want that for you, for your life and for the lives of others. So we have many different groups. And in fact, what I want to do right now, um, I would just like to ask every city group leader, coaching group leader, and explore group leader, if you're in the room, I'm going to ask you to just stand up. Just please stand up. Yeah, please clap. That's good. Um, City group leaders, you are incredible. We're so thankful for you. Uh, the investment that you give week in and week out, uh, people coming over to your home and getting it set up, people canceling, all the different stuff that you go through, just your willingness to be present and be in people's lives is such a treasure and it's such an amazing, beautiful thing and you'll never know the impact, the full impact of what you're making. And so publicly as a church family, City group leaders, explore group leaders, coaching group leaders, you guys are rock stars. You are amazing. So we have um, city groups, our, our first types of groups we just wanted to talk about. These are groups that last for 13 weeks, and we go in miles. So the fall mile, they start next week, right? Yes, sir. Uh, and there's all different, uh, they meet all over the city, all different nights of the week. Some are in homes, some are here at the church building. Uh, we also... Part of city groups, we, we value it so much that sometimes one of the biggest excuses or obstacles when it comes to not getting into a city group are these things called children, okay? These little creatures, you know, that run around. Um, but we value it so much that we've, we've created ways to help us get through that. And, and, and so groups get creative with that. Some of them... So one of the things we offer here at our church, because we believe it in so much, is we have childcare reimbursement. So if you want to go to the, a, a group and you need a sitter, then you fill out a form online and we reimburse you for it. Uh, we think it's that valuable for you to be in a group and not be distracted. And so we will help pay for childcare. Uh, some groups actually will hire a sitter to be at the actual house. And so then they pool stuff together and then we help with that. And so... That's how much we value city groups, so take advantage of the child care reimbursement. So the next type of group that we have is called an explore group, and these usually are shorter groups, and we're excited this year to have four different explore groups that we're going to offer. Um, one is explore your faith. It talks about eight weeks of just some things that we believe are keys to the Christian life, and so we've been doing this group for several years now, and we're excited. It's going to start next week, 930 here in the building uh, there's another group that's going to start at 9.30 here in the building next week. It's called Defending Your Faith. And this is, is going to be an eight-week series on apologetics. And you say, what is apologetics? That's learning how to defend your faith, how to have conversations with people, to listen, and also to be able to talk to them about the evidences that are out there about how Jesus 
died and rose again, and there are evidences out there for that. And then we have a financial peace explore group that goes a little bit longer than eight weeks, but maybe financially you're wanting to get your feet set. And man, we, we did this last fall as well. We're excited to do this again. That'll meet uh, during the week at someone's home. And then the last group is a newness of life group. And this is a group where maybe you've just given your life to Christ and you don't know what to do with the mess that your life is. Or maybe you've known Christ for a while, but you're like, man, I'm struggling with some things. This newness of life group is exactly the group for you. And it's an explore group that's going to meet every other Tuesday here in our building as well. So that's our explore groups as well, which we encourage you to jump in one of those. Maybe that's the next step for you. Um, Our explore groups, you explained the uh, the content of those. I forgot to explain our city group content. 70% or so of our city groups are sermon-based. So basically what you saw today, you exercised it. You hear the message and then you go through the week and you take the message from Sunday morning and you, you know, chew on it a little more, ask some questions, get a little deeper into the talk that uh, the teaching pastor gave. Uh, Others of our groups, uh, different leaders have selected different curriculum uh, specifically. Uh, For instance, one, um, Cindy Brazen's leading a group on uh, praying for your adult children, right? Is that what it's called, Mm -hmm. right? Praying for your adult children. So if you have you're in that season of life and you have older kids, what does it look like to continually lead them? So different groups have some different discussions and book topics that they, that they go through. Uh, the other groups that we have are called coaching groups. And coaching groups are simply this. It's three to four, no more. So they're smaller, uh, even smaller than a city group or an explore group. They're three to four, no more, but they're also gender specific. So all guys together, all females together. And those are, they meet twice a month. And you know, ladies meet at different times all throughout the day. Guys meet all throughout the time. A lot of guys' groups are early before they get to work. Um, but it's just a time to sharpen one another. There's that accountability. There's those questions that can only be, you know, asked in, you know, specific company, right? And so those are really, really special to help us in a deeper way uh, when it comes to coaching groups. So you say, I want to be in a group, which is hope we hope is what you're saying right now. I can tell this whole group, you're just like, how do we sign up for these incredible groups? Well, I'm here to tell you that. So there's a couple ways that you can do this. The easiest way is on your table, there is a QR code and a stand-up stand that you can scan with your phone, and it'll take you directly to both our coach, I mean our explore and our city groups. And so you'll go there. It'll give you a little information about it. And at the bottom, there's two buttons. I want to join a city group. I want to join an explore group. That's the easiest way to sign up. You say, my phone won't pick this thing up or um, I just don't know how to use a phone. And so we have something for you. We have a clipboard with a sheet of paper on it that you can write down your name and your information and we'll contact you this week and help you get into a group. You say, what if I want to join a coaching group? Well, write your name on that piece of paper and we'll follow up with you and get you plugged into a coaching group because we don't have an online uh, QR code or something for you to take to that. So we want you to get signed up. You say, now, now what, what are the groups? We've had them playing up here, but your uh, table lead has a sheet of paper on there. And on one side is the city groups. It's the night of the week that they meet. It's where they meet. Some city groups meet in homes. Some city groups meet here on the property. And it lets you know what time of day they meet, where they're at, all those things. And then if you flip it over are the explore groups on the back. There's four explore groups. And two of those will meet on Sunday mornings at 930. So child care is taken care of. You can drop your kids off upstairs. And then come to the 1115 service, kind of like old school Sunday school. Yeah. So, Barry, what happens if you look through all the lists and there's not a group that 
feels like fits your time of, you know, of the week or right. t- topic or whatever. What, 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 well, that stinks for you. No, I'm just joking. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad for you. No. If there's not a group, write down on that sheet of paper what day or time works for you. Because to be honest, if everyone today signs up for groups, we need more groups anyway. And so maybe today somebody, the Lord's working on your heart that you need to lead a group. Or, uh, and we'll start some new groups because we, we will make it work. We'll make it work. So write that on the sheet of paper like, hey, I want to meet. I'm available this day and this time of day, and we're going to make it work. Unless it's like 3 a.m. in the morning, then Travis will be leading that group. And so we want you guys to be a part of that 3 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Okay, so let's – okay. Wow. I just you. made a new group, Travis. Thank you. That's going to be great. Wow. That'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what I'll say. Okay. Um, let's say I just showed up to church to Miles City for the first time today. Uh, what, do, what do you want me to do? So we want you to sign up for a group. No. We're, so you say, this is kind of weird. I'm brand new here. We understand it. So there is a green connect card on your table. And so if you would take a moment, if you're brand new, and just fill that out. That card has some value to it. First of all, if you take it to our connect area, there is a gift for you. But also, for every new card that we receive, we'll donate $5 to a local food bank through the Livonia Public Schools on your behalf. And so we would love an opportunity to connect with you in that way. And um, just you can take this time to fill that card out, and we would really appreciate uh, you doing that. And thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We really do appreciate you being here. So, All right, we're going to give you five minutes yeah. to spend some time exploring what group would be best for you. And then we'll come back.